populism will define the 2024 elections. Let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely Eastern Indiana. And today we're talking about how on both sides of the political aisle, populism is beginning to establish the foundation of the 2024 president, uh, presidential campaign. To discuss that with us today, returning to the show, the one and only Kenny Cody. Welcome back to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. How are you, brother? Doing good. Welcome back. You just got back from vacation. How have things been? Been good. Needed a two-way from break from Tennessee. I do love my my home sweet home on Rocky Top, but I'm glad to be back in the state. But it was a good good visit to the free state of Florida. Um, spent two weeks with some friends and family there, so it was a it was a good trip. Got to see Byron Donalds while I was down there. I uh, went to a, t- a local town hall and watched him speak. Hopefully, he'll be he'll be another, the next rising star in the GOP. I was really impressed with him. Um, of course, I'm, even on vacation, I have to find a way to uh, to hit on my political interests. But uh, I had a great time. It was a well-needed rest and now ready to get back to work here in the state. Rock and roll. And uh, Byron Donalds, yeah, he's one of those members of Congress who who easily embraces and personifies the idea of you know listening to your voters, listening to not only what they want, but specifically helping make sure that you're bringing realistic solutions to those respective voters. And this kind of is echoing in, in, you know, hand in hand with populism, right? Which to your article, which you wrote over on Newsmax, populism seems to both on the right and the left with the uh, uh, advent of the RFK Jr. presidency, really taking our presidency, a campaign that is uh, for the DNC role there, uh, really taking shape and, and actually standing against the Biden campaign and getting significant support when you're thinking about an incumbent president. I think the last numbers I saw somewhere in that 24%, 30% range, that's pretty shocking and stunning when Biden is a sitting Democratic president. So, I mean, Kenny, talk to us about what your perception is looking at populism as it pertains both not to adjust to the the right side of the aisle, but also as it pertains to the left. Well, I think when people think of populism, you know, unfortunately, those who are in uh, the small government ideology, as you and I, um, you know, we think a little bit outside the box when it comes to populism. But most people think of this idea of like economic pragmatism like saying that we're going to be for universal health care and we're, we want to tax the rich and everything. And that's just not what populism is. Although on some avenues, I find myself economically pragmatic when it comes to being against corporate tax breaks and things like that. Um, but all populism really is, is a strategy, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think people are so tired of this establishmentarian uh, ideology on both the right and the left of just being for the same thing all the time being so I mean like, consistency is a good thing but when you refuse to listen to your voters and you're listening to the elite when you're listening to the higher elite bureaucrats in the government when you're listening to corporations when you're listening to the rich when you're listening to the elites of our society I, I, I probably don't think that you know during the COVID-19 crisis and over the last uh, three years of the Biden presidency I think people are pretty tired or two years of the Biden presidency, it feels like it's been 10. Um, but I think when people are just tired of this establishment idea of politics, the way things have always gone, you know, you, you have these Republicans on the rods wanting to home back to the eras of, of the Bush presidencies. You're one, you know, people like Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, and even to an extent, Ron DeSantis want to take us back to this idea of straight collar, 
straight and tie politics when I think people want something new. I think people want something, want someone who listens to the voters. And that's really all populism is. I mean, if you look it up in the dictionary, if you look it up on any sort of political ideology website, all populism is really defined as is the common man versus the elite. Now, if you're Bernie Sanders, that can be corporations, that can be the rich man, whatever. But on the right, it can also be the bureaucratic members of the government, the elites in our government that are abusing rights of Americans every single day, and even corporations such as big tech mm-hmm. who are silencing conservative voices. You know, we have, we have, that's why we've seen such a influx of support for Elon Musk because we kind of see an elitist betrayal in that regard. And I think that's because of things like populism. You've seen an outlash and you've seen a backlash from the common man that wants to hear their voices being heard and hear yeah. real issues that people want to talk about. And I think that's because populism is becoming such a popular ideological strategy on both sides of the political aisle through RFK Jr. And of course, through Trump and Vivek Ramaswamy on the right. And populism kind of just makes sense when you think about the electorate as a marketplace, right? If, if you're trying to make it so your customers bring themselves to your product and then you know they form their their desires based on what you have to offer that's backwards right what we want to look to see is that the marketplace is actually responding to the needs of the customer the customer in this in this case is the populace it is the electorate so in in essence populism and i know populism to your point earlier right it, it kind of gets labeled in with this this negative connotation but really when you're looking at populism from an electoral standpoint it is applying the the values and the principles that we know work in the marketplace and applying it to the way we do our voting, right? And, and in that case, outreach to potential voters and to actually bring real solutions to that respective voter based on those primary issues they care about. That's why our slogan for the show, meet people where they're at on the issues they care about, because that's what matters, right? At the end of the day, if you're actually trying to win both hearts and minds, but also turn those into votes, you have to people get people excited. And the best way to do that has been shown to use this approach. And I, I don't really understand the opposition to it. I think it's because this demonization of the Bernie Sanders right and the moderates to libertarian mm-hmm. right, um, the Republicans on the right, and even the establishment Democrats being against Bernie Sanders. I think there's this demonized bastionization of the word of populist, but I don't think it's really that bad of a thing. I mean, really, I've told people this all the time. All populism is, is being reliant and connected to your voter base. That's that's really all that it is. I mean, we would not see current Republicans be for things like an anti-interventionist foreign policy. You would not see people be for medical marijuana. You would see people be against the NSA, against the surveillance state, against the deep state if it wasn't for populism. I mean, the establishment has lost, has lost trust in the America, the American electorate has lost trust within the deep state, within the big government, between bureaucracy, within corporations, they have lost trust. The American electorate has lost this ability to trust that the bigger ups, the people who are in the government, the people who are in corporations, who basically control our daily lives in some form or capacity, there is no level of trust there anymore. And I think because that lack of trust has been so intertwined with politics, you are seeing populists like RFK Jr., like Trump, like Vivek Ramaswamy sort of surge. I mean, there's a reason that, uh, you know, Ramaswamy is polling two times the amount 
that people like Chris Christie, Asa Hutchinson, and all these other moderate Republicans are. And you're seeing somebody like Nikki Haley, who probably back in the, in the Trump presidency years, we thought might be the next president yep. after Trump was, was done. I mean, or Mike Pence. I mean, people kind of crown them as the next comings of the next big presidential candidate within the GOP. And now they're polling at five to six percent behind a guy like Vivek Ramaswamy, who is a self-funded base. I think I'm not sure what his net worth is, but I'm guessing nearly a billionaire mm -hmm. who is self-funding his own campaign and running on these populist tropes. It like, like you know, pardoning Julian Assange, yeah, pardoning yeah. Edward Snowden, being anti-war. Anti and then you're seeing people like Donald Trump who are saying similar things, you know, fighting the culture wars, trying to abolish the FBI or at least cut down on the surveillance state with the FBI, the CIA, the Department of Education, the Department of Justice. I mean, you're seeing these real conversations that are happening. I mean, I'm I'm a, the chair of the, of the county GOP, and the things that people are campaigning on right now, nobody's wanting to hear Mike Pence campaign about how much more funding that Ukraine needs from the American industrial or the American Department of, of Defense and the military industrial complex. They want to hear about how we are going to fight back against the, the this intertwining deep state collaboration against the American people. Um, you know, whether you agree with Donald Trump or not, and whether you're for Donald Trump or not, whether you support Ron DeSantis or Ian Republican, or you support RFK or Biden or whoever, it's nearly impossible to kind of convince people that this is not, that there has been a political, a political weaponized mobilization of the Department of Justice and our judicial system against a former president because of his political party and because of the way that he thinks about the way government should work. And I think you would not have seen that back in the 1990s, back in the early 2000s, or even really the, the early 2010s, unless populism came along. So you're finally seeing this idea of people that are wanting to say, hey, we've had enough. We're tired of, tired of establishment politics. We want something new. And whether you think Trump is new or not, his idea of republicanism is still new. It is still within the last seven years. I don't know what, what people think, but seven years is a pretty er, a pretty recent change in ideology for any political party. When people have shifted on war, foreign policy, deep state, I mean, this is the same Republicans that are saying, hey, we're going to vote for the Patriot Act. We're going to support the FBI and support the CIA. They're doing right by the American people. And now you've seen a complete overturn with the Democrats are defeating the same people that we were that we were for just 10 years ago. So I think populism is I know it can be it can be a bad thing. And that's something that I think a lot of people are willing to say, hey, if it's demonized, if it's used the wrong way. But right now, at least in the Republican Party, I don't think it's being used in a bad fashion. I think it's being used in a positive fashion. And especially on the Democratic side of the aisle with the with the uh, candidacy of RFK Jr., you're also seeing a positive, a positive campaign uh, of populist tropes being connecting to voters on the Democratic side of the aisle. A lot to unpack there, Kenny. I think I want to start off though with one thing. You kept that bringing up Viv uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I continually start to grow more and more fond of. Um, I, I've hear I've heard him a lot of podcasts more recently, and he he really I think out of all the candidates I've heard over on the GOP side of the aisle. I mean, other than Ron Paul and and maybe Rand Paul, I don't really hear anybody else making the arguments that Vivek makes. Now, are there areas I disagree with him on? Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, I don't think I need to necessarily find a candidate I agree 100% with. And looking just solely at this GOP field, I'm finding that Vivek continuously kind of represents what I think more often than not the average Republican voter is looking for, is someone that 
seems authentic. Um, he seems not only does he have the great ideas, but he has a means to actually execute those ideas. That's going to be huge, right? Because he not only talks a big game, but he has the plan to actually go through and implement his vision, which I think is actually one of the most important things when you're going out and you're campaigning is not just to talk about a big game, but actually to follow up with it. And frankly, and this is one thing where I really get, uh, you know, kind of frustrated with the whole Trump thing is that Trump talks a, a really big game, but when push came to shove, and I know he was running for re-election, I get all that, but like he had the chance to do some monu- monumental things, right? Like pardon Julian Assange, like pardon Edward Snowden, like pardon Ross Albrecht. And even since then, I really haven't heard Trump mention too much about that, but we have folks like Vivek who's going around the, on the campaign trail saying not only would he, uh, you know, go ahead and pardon them, but he, he gives the reasons why he goes into detail why. And I think that right there speaks to why I'm leaning more towards Vivek is because I see he, he understands the intangibles and he understands the why behind the, the, the policy and behind the, the big talk. And he actually has that plan to execute. Kenny, what are your thoughts there with regards to kind of this Vivek foil to Trump? Yeah, I mean, I think Rasul Ramaswamy is brilliant. Um, I think in any other presidential election year, if it was an open primary where, you know, it was like him and Ron DeSantis, Glenn Young and Josh Hawley, a couple of others, I think Ramaswamy would have a really good chance. I just think, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's already concluded that he, that Trump's more likely to be the nominee no matter what. Um, but I think in any, any other year, and I'm glad he's there. Like, I'm glad, I'm always happy to see somebody like Ramaswamy running for the nomination the same way that I see like somebody like Tulsi Gabbard running in 2020, even though everybody knew it was between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. I'm glad to see Ramaswamy there. I mean, he's polling third too. Like in, in the recent Fox News poll, I think he was polling near 6% which was above Nikki Haley, above Chris Christie, above Mike Pence, and above a, a slew of others. So he's ha- he is connecting on some sort of level with the modern American Republican voter, right? So I'm glad to see these tropes that I wish, I do wish that Trump would use more, you know, with, with, with Julian Assange, with Edward Snowden, with, you know, be, being completely for the abolishment of federal departments. You know, Trump, Trump is very much for the cut down, which is a positive development in and of itself, but I want to hear a complete abolishment of some of these departments. You know, a, instead of a cut down of the FBI, let's abolish it. Instead of a cut down of the CIA, let's just let's grind it down to its very bones. You know what I'm saying? So a lot, a lot of the, the, the department stuff and the, the libertarian tropes of that uh, Vivek is using um, through populist messaging, which I think is very important. I think he, he plays a very important role within the GOP presidential primary in 2024. Um, another thing that I think is very beneficial for Ramaswamy size, I think he is giving this sort of alternative that DeSantis really isn't hitting on right now. Like Vivek is requiring basically everybody in the field to run to the right. Like he is making all of these very staunch, conservative, populist, and, you know, nationalist positions that I'm like, why isn't everybody in the field taking these same, the same positions that he's taking, right? Like I, I, I grow frustrated. I'm like, dang Trump, like I, I'm a Trump supporter. And, you know, I, I basically endorsed the dude in my articles. But I wish on a couple of these issues, I'm like, man, like I hope Vivek, kind of, and say, I don't know if you paid attention back in 2000, in, uh, I, think, I think it was 2021, 2022, when Dom Huffines was running against Greg Abbott. I don't, I don't really think that Huffines thought he had a chance, but Huffines wanted to run to the right of Abbott to push him on a few issues with mm-hmm. COVID-19, with the border, and with a slew of other issues. And I think in the same way, I hope Ramaswamy is doing the same thing for Trump, because DeSantis certainly isn't. You know, for some reason, I think 
that DeSantis, the reason that DeSantis has collapsed nearly 10 points in the polls since he announced is because he is running to the moderate centrist side of the Republican Party. And we've already got our slew of candidates that are doing that already. I mean, with, with Pence, with Christie, with Haley, like they're already doing that. Like, like that, that portion of the party is covered by the weak slew of candidates that we have in the GOP already. And I think that's where DeSantis is struggling. If DeSantis, Ron DeSantis was running a similar campaign to Vivek Ramaswamy right now, I really believe he would be pulling closer to Donald Trump. Now, do I believe he would win? Probably not. I think Trump has probably shown his iron fist with the party, especially through the indictments. But I, but if DeSantis wanted a real shot at the continent denomination, you know, at least wanted something that's over 15% as predicted by 538, a couple other websites, if he wanted a real chance at the nomination, or at least somewhat of a chance, he would run the campaign that Vivek Ramaswamy is running as an alternative to Donald Trump. And you're also not hearing him say anything negative about Trump. He's just like, I'm running on my ideas because I want my message to spread amongst the GOP, which I really admire. But DeSantis' problem is he's running as the Trump alternative. Mm. And when has that ever worked yep. throughout the candidacy of Donald Trump in 2015, 2020, and now 2024? It hasn't. Now things like, I'm going to use the messaging to do this. I'm going to use my own populist messaging to hit on what I'm running on. That works. That's why Ramaswamy is polling very close and polling third and fourth. But I think it's a really good good thing because the further right that the the Republican Party has pushed on issues that I think can at least appeal to the independent voter, things like war, things like the deep state, things like using the judicial system to punish political opponents. Those are things that independents can say, hey, you know, I'm not necessarily agree with them on health care. I don't necessarily agree with them on abortion, but I can at least see how the government is being weaponized against a political party. And I think Ramaswamy is doing a really good job at requiring the Republican Party to run to the right on things they need to run to the right about. There's a couple of things I want to unpack there. First, going back to DeSantis, um, it's been no secret. I've been much more uh, leaning in favor towards DeSantis. Um, I, I was more in that camp, and I've articulated this many a time here on the show, because of the way he handled COVID, specifically in Florida, making Florida one of the best states, and really you know, being able to make his case and defend his case and really do a good job doing so, helping lead Florida to be the number one most moved to state in the country over the past year or so. So that... In mind, I, I've always been more in favor of when it was the Trump versus DeSantis argument. But looking at DeSantis right now, he's really failing kind of in two areas, I think. Number one, uh, his charisma, right? There, there just doesn't really seem to be the energy that's needed when you're running for office, right? Trump, he comes across as a fighter. He comes across as someone who's willing to go to bat for you, the average citizen. Whereas Ron, or Ron, uh, yeah, Ron DeSantis, like he... He gives the impression, and he did a good job during COVID of fight, standing to fight, but then when you hear him on the campaign trail, it just feels so disconnected. It just feels like he's he's you know, he's got his lines in his head, he's got to recite them, you know, get his specific little calling card out there, and, and it's like, that's that's all he gets is kind of those, those canned responses. Whereas when you hear Vivek go on podcasts, or Vivek go on you know, talk shows, or, or morning shows, like he went on with Don Lemon, basically, he's the episode that got Don Lemon fired over at CNN, like, just not only do, does Ramaswamy stand up and and fight back, much like in that Trump uh, you know context, but he does the thing that Trump or that DeSantis did so well in Florida, and that was you know list his case, give his case specifically in the, the COVID example. But I think Ramaswamy does it you know, even more to the next level, right? He he takes it beyond where kind of DeSantis was was really good on the COVID issue, and he gets really good on a lot of other issues, whether it's talking about monetary policy or talking about some some foreign policy stuff, where there is some 
you know, I, I have some question marks on his approach to China, but you know, there, there are some definite things I think he, you know, to your point, brings to the table and is changing the conversation, at least in the GOP, or, or hopefully is making the average voter talk about those things. But I guess, let me ask you, Kenny, because looking at Ramaswamy, is he going to be able to get more support internally in the GOP from a Trump candidate or a Trump supporter who loses favor with Trump or maybe somebody like DeSantis when folks lose more favor with DeSantis? Where do you think Ramaswamy is going to grow his base in the GOP? Will he be able to grow his base in the GOP? I think he will definitely get more backing and more basis from from the DeSantis camp. I mean, mm. if, you're, if you're thinking about voting for an alternative to Trump, you're looking at the slew of other candidates that are running. And I think over 50 percent of people, I think in about every poll, are with Trump. So you're looking at a minority of the GOP anyway. And DeSantis is currently polling around, like I said, five to six percent. I think I've seen him 10 percent in some polls, but not many. Um but I think where Ramaswamy is struggles is definitely just name recognition. I don't think I, I'll be honest. I never heard of Vivek Ramaswamy before he ran for president. Um, he's very he's very much grew on me, and I'm glad he is part of the conversation, and I'm glad he is running within the primary. Um, but I think that when people are look, people are not paying attention. I'll go ahead and be honest with you. Trump supporters themselves are not paying that much attention to anybody else besides Ron DeSantis and Trump, and they're only paying attention to DeSantis to trash him, right? Because he's challenging Donald Trump in the first place. Where DeSantis, where Ramaswamy is going to probably get the most amount of votes is trying to get the people who do want an alternative to Trump, do, to do want something else, but still want those populist tropes, those nationalist ideologies that they see the Republican Party going forward in the direction in, but still not wanting Trump, thinking you know he doesn't have a chance to general, or thinking that he you know is is past his prime or is too old or whatever, but they still want everything Trump is just younger or somebody else embodying those, I think people that are supporting Santos kind of thought he was going to be that, but now this campaign being the disaster that it is, and I know it's just a month in, but it's it, it's pretty telling that two months in that he has dropped 10 points. Um, I think that that base that are looking for the alternative, those populist nationalists that thought that DeSantis was the next coming, are now kind of trying to see, like, well, you know, maybe probably wasn't ready for the national spotlight, but Vivek is pretty much ready. I don't. I don't know if he's ready to be. I don't know if he has a name recognition to be the nominee. I, I, I personally don't. And I think any realist doesn't think he does either. But I do think he was, ironically, more ready to be thrust at the national spotlight, going on talk shows, being asked tough questions uh, than Ron DeSantis was, which is a huge, huge, huge surprise to me. I mean, I thought, like you said, through DeSantis handling COVID, him going on national talk shows talking about. COVID. But I really think that where DeSantis probably struggled at the most was the first first kind of show that he that Ramaswamy went on really was CNN, was Fox News, was MSNBC. And really all we ever saw from Ron DeSantis was go on Fox News and probably all of Florida media. He was kind of in a bubble. And I think that's where DeSantis has kind of failed in connecting to the American people is he was always in his bubble in Florida. And if he wanted a, a pat on the back, he would go on Fox News while the Trump saw me it's deciding to go into the lion's den. Trump is deciding to go into the lion's den and doing a CNN town hall with Caitlin Collins. These people are preparing what is going to be ahead of them in the 2024 campaign. Whoever the nominee is has got to be ready to combat the mainstream media and combat the establishment that's going to be working against them. Ramaswamy is ready for that. Trump is ready for that. DeSantis is not. And I think that's where this Ramaswamy is going to be able to get the most amount of support are those former Trump supporters that either want something new or those that will support Trump eventually, right, when he is the nominee. 
and like I, I know plenty of people. I know a few, at least three to four people that are around me that are, will, will be voting for Ramaswamy in the Tennessee primary solely because they just admire his fight. They know he doesn't have a chance. They're going to support Donald Trump, the general. They, they still generally support Trump for the primary. They don't want DeSantis, but they're going to give Ramaswamy the vote because they feel like he's earned it. They feel like he's running on the correct things that they want the party to mold after in the future. So they're going to vote for him in the primary. And I don't blame them. I want them to vote for Trump personally, because that's who I'm going to be voting for in the primary. Um, but I don't really blame people who are voting for Ramaswamy because, for one, they want an alternative. The scientist is not, the, is not going to be the alternative. And they're like, we don't want to go back to the Bush era Republican uh, pol- uh, era politics with Nikki Haley, with Nikki Haley, kind of with DeSantis, Chris Christie, and Mike Pence. So they're going to give this guy a vote. And he's really setting himself well up for the future. I think a lot of people run in four, the, the four years prior, want to run four years down the road. If, they, if he wants to run in 2028, he is setting himself really up, up, really up well here or for a congressional office or for a gubernatorial office. Uh, whenever Mike DeWine gets out, I know he's from Ohio. Um, I really do see a future for Vivek, and I think he's done a really good job. And it's really ambivalent of how much populism is really intrinsic in the Republican Party because people are going to Vivek solely because he's a populist. They are literally not going to Vivek for any other reason besides the populist nationalist tropes that he is speaking to. And I think it's really positive, and I think it's a very good thing for the Republican Party and the Democrat part of the RFK Jr. that those alternatives are being uh, met with some sort of support. So for final thoughts, I'll kick things off, Kenny. I'm kind of a team Vivek right now. Uh, I, you know, At this point, if I had to cast my vote in the GOP primary, it would be for Vivek. Um, I, I really feel that a candidate like Vivek, to, to kind of what we were talking about here today, he represents what the GOP could be, right, at, at its best. Um, I know there's a lot of folks in the GOP who don't like Vivek because he is really coming into the party and, and really pushing it, right? It's, it's really Trump was the bull in the China shop, but nobody really knew where that bull was going to go when it was in the China shop, whereas Vivek is telling you what he's going to do. And he's exactly telling you how he's going to do it. And he has an end destination in mind and he will destroy as necessary as he goes through. And I think that actually scares some people more than someone like Trump. And to your point about DeSantis, DeSantis does seem to curry a lot more favor with your more establishment types here in the GOP. And if that's the case, then, I mean, how much can he really stand up against the regime when it needs to be fought back against internally in the GOP? The likes of the old John McCain's or, you know, the Mitt Romney's, we, we really need to, to do better. The George Bush GOP is, is no more. That died in 2015 with Donald Trump on the debate stage with Jeb Bush in, in South Carolina, embarrassing him and, and, you know, basically saying, your, your brother lied us into the war in Iraq. And then go ahead the next day and destroy in the primaries and wins the state. I mean, that's when the old neocon, uh, neocon perspective in the GOP really died. But you see the, the remnants. It still exists. And there still is this kind of um, like old empire, to use the Star Wars analogy, mentality of trying to get this this old remnant of the empire back, like in the First Order, even though the, the sequels to the sequels was just terrible. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Kenny, that's my final thoughts. What do you have us in your end? I think the fact that Vic Ramaswamy and Donald Trump are polling within the top three in the GOP is a positive thing for, for populism. It's a positive thing through, for the Republican Party. You know, you see all these Republicans, you see a lot of these moderate Republicans, these establishment libertarians. As I've, I'm sure that you've seen it in the uh, LP where people are going, hey, 
Populism is a bad thing. It's the antithesis to liberty. Um, I think it's nonsense. I think populism is just a way to finally fight back with the people that hate us the most. And fighting back does not have to mean embracing the government, making it larger so we can punish our enemies. That's not what populism means. It just means identifying who our, our enemies are and then knowing how we can win, connecting to voters and seeing what their problems with the elite is, what their problems with our government are, what, what their problems with what the weaponization of federal power is. And then seeing what other issues they care about. You know, many people work on the issues that they care about is the, like you said, the message of the show. And I think it should be the message of the Republican Party. You, we have got to find a way. People are struggling with health care. People are struggling with taxes. People are struggling with, with inflation. People are struggling with, with immigration. So how do we know how to combat those issues? How do we know how to identify those other issues? We use populism. We can't say, hey, I can't afford health care. And I really don't know what to do. And we can't say, well, too bad. Pull up your bootstraps. That doesn't work. Okay. On any level, it's why establishmentarian republicanism has been rejected in 2015 and in every level in electoral politics. You can't tell somebody the old Republican trope of America is the greatest country in the world and you've got to pull up your bootstraps and work and you'll get where you want to be. That is not where we have, we have got to message in a different way. We've got to say, hey, what are your problems? What are you struggling with right now? What are you concerned with in the American government? What are you concerned with the federal government? What are you concerned with your state government? What are you concerned with with corporations? What battles do you want to see the GOP fight? That isn't caving on anything. That isn't going to socialism. That isn't going to progressivism. That is being common sense. That is identifying political issues that people care about. The fights they want to see the people who we are paying. People don't realize politicians are paid by the taxpayer. So whatever the taxpayer wants to see the politicians fight for, in whatever avenue, Republicans and Democrats are going to handle health care, abortion, immigration in different ways. But they need to at least identify the voter issues and then come up with political aisle-based resolutions, whether that's on the Republican side of the aisle with things like abortion restrictions, whether that's privatizing health care, whether that's being for Medicare in, in, in states and fighting for 10 care and things like that. Or you're looking at immigration, you're looking at medical marijuana, you're looking at how to abolish state departments, you're looking at how to cut down on the FBI and the CIA weaponizing their power against an incumbent president or political opponents. You're just listening. Pop, that's all populism is, Brian. It's just listening to the voter and listening to the issues that they care about. And that's all I want the Republican Party to do. I'm not asking them to go to this idea of socialism that the progressives on the left side of the aisle are. I'm leaving that to the Bernie Sanders of the world. Okay, But I do want the Republican Party to say, okay, tell me, host a town hall ideologically. Listen to what voters care about. Listen to what the issues that they want to see them, their representatives, their president, their senators, their governors fought for. And whether it's the solution that they agree with or not, at least come up with a solution. Don't ignore issues that people are people's lives are frankly depending on. I want to listen to voters and I want us to win through listening to voters. Kenny Cody, it's always a pleasure to connect with you. I'm glad that we were able to get our uh, one-on-ones back here on the schedule uh, after you're back from vacation. So thank you for joining us. And by the way, folks, today's episode is brought to you by our store over at Proud Libertarian. You want to go ahead and rock the shirt I'm wearing today, which is our Magic Money Tree shirt. Head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash shop. It'll bring you right over to our store. And uh, you can go ahead, use code TBNS at checkout 
for 15% off your order. And uh, yes, please go ahead, support small businesses like Proud Libertarian. Uh, this is how we go ahead and help create alternative economies, but also help uh, keep the lights on here at shows like The Brian Nichols Show. So with that being said, folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead, give it a share when you do. Tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. Find Kenny Cody at KD Cody. TN, if you want to go ahead and check out the awesome article about populism defining the 2024 election over at Newsmax, Kenny, where can folks go ahead and do that, but also find all your other writing? Uh, you can go to, to uh, Katie Cody, uh, TN on Twitter. I usually post all my articles on there. Go to muckrack.com. Um, you can find me, just type in muckrack, Kenny Cody. You can find the entire archive there. Newsmax always has my articles archived on their website as well. Um, and be checking my social media posts out on uh, Twitter, on Facebook. On, I usually even post them on my Instagram story. So just follow me on all social media platforms. Keep up and uh, keep fighting. All right, folks. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up there. If you're following us here on uh, social media, well, thank you. Give us a, a thumbs up. Otherwise, subscribe here on Twitter and on Facebook. Also, go ahead, hit that subscribe button if you're joining us on the video version of the show, YouTube, Rumble, or Ben Swan's Sovereign, S-O-V-R-E-N. Go ahead, yeah, hit that subscribe button and little notification bell so you don't miss a single time we go live. And if you are joining us here on Sovereign, well, congratulations. You're seeing today's episode before anybody else as a Sovereign exclusive, my gift to you. So thank you for supporting us here on Independent Media. And by the way, yes, we are a podcast. So if you want to go ahead and check out all 745 other episodes of The Brian Nichols Show with lots of episodes with our good friend Kenny Cody included, head over to your favorite podcast catcher, Spotify, YouTube Music, Apple Podcasts, or whatever it is you go ahead and get your podcast delivered just hit that subscribe button and do us a favor hit download all unplayed episodes and start from episode one of your journey for educating enlightening and informing here at the brian nichols show but that's all we have for you thanks for joining us that being said brian nichols signing off you're on the brian nichols show for kenny cody we'll see you next time thanks for listening to the brian nichols show find more episodes at brian nichols show.com